Hi, hello, welcome to the episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is February 25th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well, good spirits, high hopes, all that, you know, good jazz. <coughs> oh, excuse me, I'm already coughing. How rude of me. Um, how am I doing? I'm sure you're wondering. Um, pretty good. <laughs> I got some sleep. I was initially, I had kind of had a itinerary I was going to hit for the day. And I woke up and it was raining. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going out. I'm not doing it. And um, fell back asleep. And that was nice. So here we are. A little bit behind schedule on this Saturday. But, you know, we're good. Things are moving along. I'll cook some food or something after this. Um... Maybe run some errands. But um, yeah, before we do all that, we can get into some news. We can talk about some stuff. Um, from Reuters. Nigerian Nigerian Senate candidate killed in spat of pre-election attacks. So we initially covered some Nigerian news. Um, what was it? I think it was last week. Um, with the whole banking situation with the banknotes and people rioting about that. Um, but they have had this election. The election is actually, I think, taking place like today. People are voting. Um, it is a, like a three-man election. It's pretty tight race. But, um, let's see, a Nigerian senatorial candidate, um, from one opposition party, and the driver of a campaign minibus belonging to another were killed in a series of coordinated attacks in southeastern Inungu state ahead of an election on Saturday, uh, police said on Thursday. Um, let's see, we're also going to pull here. Uh, Inungu state police said suspected members of two Bifran separatist groups that have been banned by Nigerian authorities targeted vehicles from three political parties in simultaneous incidents at separate locations um, late on Wednesday. Um, they confirmed the death of Labor Party senatorial candidate Oibo Chukwu um, earlier reported by his party and said the driver of the People's Democratic Party, or PDP, um, campaign minibus had also been killed in a separate attack. In both cases, the attackers set vehicles ablaze with petrol bombs, burning to death their occupants. Um, so, I mean, oh, and then also uh, Chuck Wu's driver was also killed. Uh, police said a similar attack on the ruling All Progressive Party, or the APC, um, had been repelled. Um, so, I mean, that, that's a lot going on. Uh, I knew that things were heating up, you know, with the money stuff. And I was like, okay, maybe we'll cover it. Maybe we don't, because I know there's elections always taking place. But uh, this definitely got my attention. Um, it does kind of go into a little bit of history and stuff, like... Um, I don't want to get too much into it. That's a little bit more historical stuff. But if you would like to read that, that's there. But um, definitely interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see how the uh, election is going to pan out. And hopefully we'll get some more coverage there. Uh, 
but we can move along. Um, somewhat, I guess you could say international, but we're talking about our borders here in America. Um, let's see, from Yahoo News, what to know about Biden's controversial new rule for asylum seekers. So Biden has, you know, the administration has made an announcement that they are looking to make um, new restrictions on who can seek asylum in the United States by penalizing migrants who cross the border without authorization or fail to apply for protections in another country if they pass through one en route. So um, they're kind of trying to like unveil this out. Like this is going to be something that's going to streamline the process. It's also going to make things safer. It's going to make things harder for smuggling and all this kind of stuff. I really feel like that's a lot of yada, 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 yada. Um, but obviously something that this article does pull up is that this, I don't know why I said, obviously I have to explain that first. Sorry, <laughs> but this is very much akin to what the Trump administration tried in 2019 that got shot down. Now it's not word for word, the same thing, but it's essentially this very similar just with an app and, oh, let's say if you're a child who doesn't have like any parents or things like that, well, then you can still potentially get asylum. But essentially, once this Tile 42 is going to, you know, the delay is, you know, is run out, excuse me, because that's going to happen sooner than later, then, you know, eventually we're going to go to a new policy, you know, something that is actually post-COVID, because that's what the Title 42 policy was for. It's like essentially, yeah, we'll give you the asylum because we don't want you to come here because of, you know, COVID, but obviously COVID's done. Um I guess actually now that I'm putting my thinking cap on, that might make sense that this is going to maybe fall into place around May, maybe, because that's when Biden is saying, like, hey, we have to have the time to kind of, like, change things so everything works out um, in terms of, like, the wheels of government post-COVID, yada, yada, yada. But I personally don't like this policy at all. I mean, I'm obviously doing a lot of summarizing here, um, but essentially you get this thing that's called a CBP app. It's something that they were using for like trucking or whatever. And they're like, oh, we can just use this for like the migration situation. And a lot of proponent, like a lot of people who are against this are saying, one, this app is already glitchy. Um, There's a big language problem here where there are people of a bunch of different nationalities and they know a bunch of different languages. And sometimes it can only do English, this app. And Essentially, this app is supposed to, like, allow you to schedule times and you're supposed to be here to make sure that you're okay to, like, go to the next phase of this this whole process of getting asylum. Also, not to mention, too, asylum isn't necessarily as easy as applying. Um, you have to meet certain, like, you know, stipulations and things of that nature where it's like, hey, I have, like, um, residents who live in America who can vouch for me or you know, things to that effect. Like, it's like, okay, like, there are people who know you. And, we, and, and that, to me, is already something that, like, immediately is blocking a lot of people. It's like, essentially, these are people who are fleeing a country. It, you know, they're refugees. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's hard for me to, to wrap my head around how this is, like, a progressive thing. And you have to understand that it's just not. Like, the Biden administration has shown time and time again that they are not trying to change anything that Trump did. They are not trying to reinvent the wheel in any kind of way, shape, form, fashion. 
They just want to keep doing the same thing and keep the status quo normal. Like, and I got to say to a point, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, that's what politicians do. At the end of the day, that's why this shit fucking sucks when you just have two parties because essentially they're all straddling the same line to kind of keep an even keel, quote unquote. But essentially no one's going to do the things that need to get done for, you know, us as individuals. And I think, you know, for us abroad. But I do think a lot of countries are like this where they, they want to have these strong, you know, quote unquote, strong border policies where it's like, you just want to keep people out. Like, which is so weird because having more people in your country only improves and increases diversity and usually makes things better for your country in terms of like economy and also other kind of fucking shit. But it's never looked like that. It's always looked at as a negative because I don't know. People are spooky. People are weird. Um, I was like doing a lot of like, you know, summarizing and all that, but that's why we referenced the article. So you can always go through it yourself if you'd like, um, get all the details. Sometimes I'm just not in the mood to do that. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to kind of talk about it and we can move along, you know, but really to me, the bigger takeaway here is that this was a, an opportunity for the administration to come out and, and really make a cool, interesting plan that might get flack from people on the right saying like hey like you know you're gonna be opening the doors to all of these uh, blah 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 i i don't care though i would rather see something that is more humanitarian who is actually gonna um, you know give people a chance to come to this country easily and i don't feel like this is actually that i feel like the actual operations and mechanics of this is just gonna really make things harder for people which is the same um so yeah i boo tomato 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 this <laughs> Um, we can move along um, from the L.A. Times. Crips gang member sentenced to 60 years in prison in murder of Nipsey Hussle. So the um, perpetrator here is Eric Holder Jr. Um, he was sentenced to, let's see, I mean, it's a grand total of at least 60 years. But um, he got like 25 years to life for the murder of Nipsey Hussle, who was, um, you know, rap hip hop artist. Um, he was murdered outside of his own clothing shop in like Crenshaw. Um, something that, you know, I kind of learned just like reading this was like not I knew that, you know, he was a you know popular rapper. I've listened to some of his music. But it was just one of those situations where, you know, it's talked about in this article, like how in the community he was. But essentially, there was a dispute between him and Holder, and Holder comes back with, like, two guns and just starts sh just shooting, and he kills Hustle, and um, uh, I'm not sure if he kills, I think he kills another person as well, um, but let's see, let me read the rest of everything here. Um, sentenced to 25 years to life in state prison for murdering Hustle, and an additional 25 years to life based on the sentencing enhancement because he used a gun. Holder must serve an additional 10 years in prison on assault convictions for shooting two other men who were with Hustle the day um, of the shooting, or the day of the killing. Um, Holder, who's 33, was on a date with a woman who would become his unwitting getaway driver on March uh, 31st, 2019. When he approached Hustle in front of the Marathon Clothing Store near Slauson Avenue and Crenshaw Boulevard, 
The two had a brief conversation, but Holder returned minutes later with two handguns and opened fire in the middle of the parking lot, killing Hustle, whose legal name was Amias Ashigdom, and wounding two other men nearby. Um, it was definitely just a sad time. I remember, you know, seeing a lot of, you know, condolences, a lot of moral, mural, sorry, not morals, <laughs> murals, gosh, is that my, is that my Ohio accent? <laughs> um, but let's see, there were people, you know, who came up and, um, testify or, you know, talked during the sentencing hearing. Um, our community right now, we lost everything, everything we worked for. Thousands of jobs we don't have no more. Homies don't have nothing to do. They backsliding. They robbing people now. All our stories are, are all our stores are closed down. The community relied on Nip, Nipsey Hustle. So it, it's just one of those things where it's just so sad that some minor kind of dispute conversation, which essentially um, what is said was that um, Nipsey accused Holder of. Um, you know, having paperwork. So essentially saying he worked with the cops or snitching. And um, Holder's lawyer, you know, says, hey, this dispute wasn't just a, a minor, you know, conversation. This wasn't a, a little argument. This was essentially a big accusation. And you're putting a death sentence on, you know, Holder. And Holder felt that way. And he felt challenged. He felt scared. And so that's why he did what he did. And I mean, essentially, he waited to, to use this kind of defense for the sentencing because it's like kind of all he could do. I mean, this was caught on camera. It was very obvious. Like, yes, this man did it. So the questions was why. And essentially, he was saying like, hey, the, it, it might have been mental illness, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, to an extent, it was disputed on the stand here where it's like, no, it's not like that. Like snitching is a thing, but not to that degree. Like. Uh, the gang that they were both a part of or whatever, like, um, which is specifically the Rolling 60s, but like it's like a subset of the Crips. But, you know, essentially it's like no one's going to pull your card, dude. Like, if you just took the hit here in this conversation that didn't matter and just walked away, it would have been whatever. Um, he's like, I'm even on the stand now. If we're talking in the 80s, then sure. Like, what I'm talking about is snitching. Maybe I would be worried, but it's 2022, like, or I think 2023, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, um... Times have changed, is more or less that. Um, so it's definitely a shame that, um, you know, Nipsey Hussle's gone. Um, I, it, it's definitely one of those situations where I came into his music, um, I think right around the time that the shooting happened. I came in like really late. And um, it's, you know, it's a lot like, you know, the pop smoke situation where it's like, damn, like, even though this person had work out, they were just cooking like they could keep going and keep continuing to make stuff like you know victory lap was out and things like that so i mean um definitely a shame it's a loss but it's good that you know there's at least some closure here in that regard at least with the sentencing and things of that nature um we can hit the next beat um from abc news uh da drops gun enhancement charge against alec baldwin and rush shooting so the charge was dropped for Alec Baldwin and also Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. Um, now, they are still, um, I believe, um, on the hook for just, like, 
and voluntary manslaughter, like in terms of going to trial for that. But it's only a potential amount of like 18 months as opposed to, I think, the with the gun charge or whatever. It would have been like up to like five years. So I think the DA backed down, not necessarily because they were feeling sympathetic or what have you. They just kind of realized that like Alec Baldwin's legal team is going to put the full court press out. Um, they're calling out the person, um, like the prosecution attorney or whatever, um, you know, saying like, Hey, they aren't even like actually legally allowed to do this. Also, they were saying, and the reason was because I think they were tied to another thing. I could pull it up, but, um, they were also saying the, um, the legal law that they were trying to apply here wasn't actually in effect until May, 2022. And the incident occurred on October 2021. So they're saying you can't even actually do that. There's an error right there. Um, let's see. What else did I want to talk about here? I know I kind of missed a beat here. Um, but also because I think they dropped it for one, I think they just dropped it for all. So that's why like um, Hannah Gutierrez Reed is also going, you know, just for the lesser sentence of the. Um, Involuntary manslaughter. Um, I do personally, though, think that it just kind of makes sense to just hit for the 18. Um, like, obviously, I think it's due diligence to prioritize the maximum sentence. I think that's what the they're going to do. So at least it's, it's showing a, a non-bias there, I guess. But, um, yeah, and also I think it just makes sense for them to be like, yeah, it's not worth trying to, you know, really put the screws to it here. Um... Oh, here we go. A week prior, his legal team filed a motion to disqualify Andrea Reeb, the special prosecutor appointed by Carmack Altwies, arguing she is also an elected member of the New Mexico House of Representatives and um, therefore has a conflict of interest. So essentially, they're just like, okay, let's just chill out here. We'll at least dumb this down and we'll maybe just focus on these brass tacks instead of like you guys trying to fight over everything and anything. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, obviously the trial hasn't even started yet. Um, but I wanted to kind of, you know, give a little update. Um, all right, we got one more thing. So classic, you know, we got to take a little break. Okay. Got this one from Law and Crime. Salt Life Clothing Company founder gets 12 years in prison for killing his 18-year-old girlfriend. Um, so yeah, that's already a cringy title right off the bat. Um, but um, let's see. This was uh, Michael Troy Hudo, who's 56. He killed Laura Grace Duncan, 18. Um, he says it was, and I mean, obviously this is all alleged, but um, he, um, well, I guess, well, yeah, we can say he pleaded guilty, right? So, yeah, and he was sentenced to 12 years. So, I, I mean, this happened. But according to him, he's saying it was an accident. And he uh, shot her 
while he was playing like around and he was like had one gun like a finger gun and he had a whole ass real gun in the other hand and i guess he fucked around and shot her in the stomach um i i don't know that's that's wild as hell i think they were both on drugs apparently but um according to duncan's father who is the person who you know initially after 48 hours not having any contact with her he uh you know called for a wellness check and uh that's how they discovered the body i believe was on october 29th 2020 at the hilton hotel on north ocean boulevard um so yeah i mean definitely a, a really fucked up dark situation um I, I'm glad this guy got at least some time. Um, he will receive 79 days credit for time served. You gotta love that. Uh, but the charge was manslaughter with a firearm. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, I get it. There's no um, intent, but we don't know that, right? Like, it's, but I guess it's one of those things where at the end of the day, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, and this is something I really liked about this podcast called Sinisterhood. And, um, you know, they cover all kinds of, like, occult stuff. They cover true crime stuff, uh, like, headline you know, big news stuff. They cover, like, Britney Spears conservatorship. Um, but one of the people on the podcast is a, or at least she does, like, uh, legal kind of work. And she really breaks down, um, like, how these kind of cases work, like why they go for the charges they go for sometimes, why sometimes it's heavier, why sometimes it's lighter. And um, it, it definitely kind of helps remind me like, oh yeah, sometimes they go for what they know will stick so that they can make sure they get like, you know, time. Um, so yeah, definitely an icky case and that's gross. Not exactly good news to end out on, but you know, sometimes that's just how it goes. Um but thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, the effort that is moi, um, patreon.com slash Isaiah News uh, gets you bonus episodes, gets you a quick link for my Discord. You can just get into the community, see the food posts I put put up, you know, chit-chat, whatever. Um, also, I have a Newsy Roll Call we do at the top of every month. And, um, you know, you can plug anything you'd like, whatever. Turn me into a little billboard. That's what you'd like to do. Um, three ways to hit me up. Uh, gmail.com. So it's Isaiah News, or Isaiah News 1 at gmail.com. I don't know why I think that mixed up. And then Facebook, Twitter, all easy ways to find me or the podcast. So, yeah, that's all I got. Um, hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah. Thank you.